since we were we were in Ecclesiastes, we had revival last week and kind of preparing for revival the Wednesday night before that, but we are picking up where we left off. We had last looked at Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, and what is really being talked about here, especially early in chapter 10, is folly, is foolishness, and how, how bad a little folly is. It said it's like when a fly gets into a perfumer's oil. It doesn't take, it doesn't take much but one little fly to make that perfumer's oil be bad, for it to be tainted. And that's, that's what foolishness and folly does in our life. And so that's kind of the idea and the theme that we want to have in mind as we read. We'll start in verse 5 tonight. Let's pray, and then we'll get started. Father God, we come to you, and I pray that your word will be good for us. Dear Lord, it is good, but it will only be good for us if we listen to it and do what it says. So God, I pray that you would help us not to daydream tonight. We may have come in here with other stuff on our mind, and our thoughts are competing for our attention tonight, but I pray, dear Lord, that in these few minutes that you'd kind of grab a hold of us, that we would hear at least something from some of these words of yours that we read that in one of these scriptures that it may be something for each of us that we need to hear tonight and that we would listen to. And I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, that I would preach and teach in a way that brings glory to you, and that by reading these words tonight that we would all seek to live in wisdom and not in foolishness. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 5. There is an evil I have seen under the sun, an error proceeding from the presence of the ruler. Now, the next few verses here are going to go along with, with kind of that introduction to this section. So, uh, we've seen this idea that evil is done under the sun. We've seen that repeated throughout the book. That is, all over the earth, evil is done. There's nothing new under the sun. At the time that the writer of Ecclesiastes writes this, there are horrible things that are happening, and people have not changed. We may look at our world today and say, man, things are different now than they've ever been, but quite frankly, they are not. Throughout the whole Bible, there's no thing that we're seeing people do today that people have not always done. As long as people are on this world, there is evil that will take place. We see it today. And until the day that we leave this world, we will continue to see it. And so he says, look, I've seen evil in this world. I've seen this evil under the sun. And he says there is an error proceeding from the presence of the ruler. That is to say that those in charge, the kings, the rulers, those with authority, sometimes make foolish decisions. And that is not hard to see. You can look at, 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 at people in authority in a local level or on a, a larger scale on a state level or, or for the whole country or other countries in the world. And sometimes you see leaders that just make some of the, what appears to be, at least in some opinion, the worst decisions you've ever seen, some of the most foolish decisions. And so it is for the author of Ecclesiastes. He's seen these errors. He's seen this folly, this foolishness. He's seen these rulers that, that are pushing forth things that are, that, are just, that are just crazy, that don't make sense, that are foolishness. He gives some examples here. Verse 6, The fool is appointed to great heights, but the rich remain in 
lowly positions. So who thinks it's a good idea to put a fool in charge of anything? Well, we would all hopefully say that that's not a good idea, but yet sometimes we see people that have authority that get into places of authority and, and are appointed into positions of authority, and we may scratch our heads and say, how in the world did he or she get put in that position with that kind of power? But yet that is what we see in the world. It says that the fool is appointed to great heights, but the rich man in lowly positions. Now, I don't know if he's speaking of rich there in terms of, of wealth. I don't, I don't think that he's implying that, oh, the rich should be those who sit in the positions of honor and the positions of greatness. Uh, oftentimes in Scripture we see richness is talked about in a negative sense. And so uh, perhaps what he means there when he speaks of those who are rich, perhaps he's using that in terms of, of wisdom. Maybe they are rich in wisdom. After all, that would kind of seem to fit the context here. He's talking about foolishness, uh, the, 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 the danger in foolishness, but, but, but the goodness that comes along with wisdom. And so I'm not sure if he's speaking necessarily of material wealth there, or maybe he's using rich there as a symbolic word in a different way. Maybe he's contrasting, okay, there are some fools who get put in positions of honor when really it's the wise, those who are rich in wisdom, that should be put in those places. But yet it's flip-flopped. The, the fools are in the place of honor, and, and the wise are in the lowly places. Well, those are the types of evils that we see under the sun. Those are the types of things that we say, it's not fair. It's not fair that sometimes it works out. It's not fair that sometimes perhaps we may be the one worthy of the position, and yet someone who is not as qualified or as worthy as we may be that gets put in such positions. However, we also need to realize that should there be occasions in our life that we are placed in a position of authority in whatever way it may be, that we do not want to be guilty of being the one who is called a fool. Now, we would probably all like to think of ourselves as being wise, but perhaps that's the first step to being a fool, is thinking of yourself of being wiser than you actually are. And so we want to make sure that should the occasion come that we have a little authority or maybe even a lot of authority, that we are not those that it can be said about, the fool is seated in the high place. If we are ever seated in a high place, we want to be those who seek to make wise decisions, to make wise decisions that are going to promote the kingdom of God and the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ and not our own desires. But what does he see under the sun? A fool that's placed in a high place and a wise person that's placed in a low place. This is an evil thing, the author of Ecclesiastes would tell us. Verse 7, I have seen slaves on horses, but princes walking on the ground like slaves. Again, he's, he's giving us a contrast here. Things are opposite of what they should be. It's bizarro world. If you've ever watched the show Seinfeld, you may know that episode. There's an episode entitled Bizarro World. And in Bizarro World, everything is opposite of what it, what it should be. All the characters are opposite, and it's just a... It's, it's a crazy thing. Everything's mixed up and twisted. It doesn't make any sense. And sometimes we probably look around our world and we think we're living in bizarro world. We see things that we thought would never happen. We see the craziest things that we can't even imagine, yet they, uh, uh, we see them day after day. Things that a uh, hundred years ago you say, boy, if somebody would have said that, you would have said they were crazy. 
And yet what used to be crazy is, is, is normal. And what used to be normal, what we would call normal, is viewed as crazy. And these are the types of contrast that he's making here when he talks about the fool is high and the wise man is made low and the slave rides on the horse. It is the princes and the kings that should ride on the horses, but yet it appears as though the rulers that he's speaking of here that, that make these foolish decisions are doing such foolish things as putting people undeserving of the, the riding of the horse on the horse. And those who should be riding on the horse are walking along the path. Perhaps you remember uh, the story of Mordecai and Haman. Haman was one of those who was proud and thought he needed to be in that high place. And the king asked him, hey, if the king wants to honor somebody, what should the king do? Now, Haman, being proud, thought that the king wanted to honor him. He didn't realize that his enemy, Mordecai, Haman hated Mordecai. He didn't realize that that's who the king really wanted to honor. And Haman said, well, put him in a good robe and put him on your horse and parade him around town. And Haman was shocked when the king said, All right, Haman, I want you to go get Mordecai and put him up on the horse. Here's a good example of someone who was lowly but gets put in a place of honor. Now, that's not exactly the context of what's going on here in Ecclesiastes, but we understand that idea. The idea being that the, the, the seat of the horse is the place of those who are being honored. But here, as we have seen in this first verse, in verse 5, the ruler has, has, has done evil things, and he has promoted foolishness. And this is the type of foolishness. Those who don't deserve to be in the seat of honor are in the seat of honor yet again in this passage. In verse 6 there, excuse me, verse 7. Uh, verse 8, the one who digs a pit may fall into it, and the one who breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Now, we're kind of shifting gears a little bit here uh, in verses 8 and 9. And he's talking about things, probably jobs that people would do, tasks that people would do. But yet, if you do these tasks foolishly, they are going to result in some, in some bad, bad results in your life. And so what's the first example he gives here? The one who digs a pit may fall into it. Okay, so if you're doing a job and you're digging a pit... You better be careful. You better not be walking around foolishly. It's just foolishly digging and not paying attention to what you're doing because guess what happens? If you're foolish on such a job, you fall into the pit. You might fall into the pit and die if it's a big enough pit. And so you got to be careful not to fall into the pit. Now, it doesn't necessarily speak of foolishness here in these verses, but, but that's the context, remember, of what we've seen all the way up to this point in chapter 10. And so we have to keep that idea that that, that he's dealing with here. He's dealing with folly. He's dealing with foolishness and the consequences of foolishness. And sometimes those consequences are, are very bad. And he uses real practical examples of things that, hey, if you're not paying attention when you, when you get involved with X, Y, or Z, there might be some consequences. So you do something as simple as dig a pit, but you're doing so foolishly, well, you better pay attention because you may fall into the very pit that you have dug. The one who breaks through a wall, or some of your translations may say breaks through a hedge, may be bitten by a snake. And so the idea may be that you're, you're tearing down a structure or are you doing some work around some hedges, whatever work that may be. Well, you need to be careful before you stick your hand up in something because you never know what might be in there. For instance, you've got to be careful 
I'm always on the lookout for wasps. I hate wasps. And I've learned that there are certain types of areas that wasps are going to build their nest. And so I'm going to be careful if I go around those areas. If I know that the wasps are going to build those nests on the back of those benches on the front of this church, and they do, if I'm going to check, I'm not going to stick my hand back there to pull the bench up because I might grab a wasp nest. And so it would be foolish for me to know, hey, there's wasps that build nests there, for me to stick my hand there. So I do so cautiously. I use a little wisdom there to make sure that I don't grab a hold of a wasp. Maybe that's the same idea that he's speaking of here. There are probably things in, in your yard or things that you clean up, areas where you know, hey, snakes could be in this. There could be a snake under this thing. I'm going to be careful picking up this wood or picking up this piece of tin. There may be a snake in there. Now, areas where you think there may be a snake, the first thing you don't do is just stick your hand in there and do this. You don't do it because that's not a wise thing to do. And so I think that's the idea here. He's saying when you're doing your task, whatever there may be, don't do so foolishly. Don't just go in head first without thinking, doing your work, knocking your wall down, sticking your hand in the hedge because guess what? You may get bit by a snake, and that's not a good thing. So our foolishness and our lack of caution oftentimes will get us into trouble. We could probably all tell a story tonight of how we have gotten into such trouble in our life. He continues on with this same idea. Verse 9, the one who quarries stones may be hurt by them. Okay, well, this is a, this is a simple thing. I mean, this, this is work. These are things that people do today. I mean, people today knock down walls or hedges or, or do stonework. Well, when you're doing stonework, guess what? Stones are often heavy. Who wants a stone to fall on their head? Well, nobody does. And so you've got to be careful. You've got to use a little wisdom. You've got to use... You got to think a little bit. You got to slow down a little bit. You can't just be foolish with how you tackle things in life or else a brick may fall on your head. Now, I don't know how that would feel and I don't want to know how that would feel. So if I'm ever working with bricks, I'm going to try to be careful is to not knock a brick on my head. I watched a video a while back. It was some old boys. They were up on a, up on a roof and they were trying to get an old chimney down. And boy, they thought they had it figured out. They, they just went to, went to, I think they were pulling it down and it didn't go the way they went, and it ended up falling right through the middle of the roof. Well, that's what happens when we get hasty. Sometimes the stones or the bricks that we are working with, if we work with them foolishly, may end up causing more trouble than we realized. He continues on uh, in verse 9. The one who splits trees may be endangered by them. Absolutely. If anybody has ever cut a tree before, you know you better be careful if you're cutting limbs or if you're cutting trees. You better know what you're doing because a tree could kick back. It could fall. It could spin around. It could, it could go in a direction that you're not prepared for. And so if you're going to be cutting trees, you better have a little wisdom there. Don't just If you never cut a tree down, don't run over to Lowe's and get you a chainsaw and think you're going to cut the tree because you're probably going to cut your leg off or get hit in the head with a tree, right? And so you have to use a little wisdom there. You have to think a little bit. You can't just run foolishly into things without first kind of making sure you understand what's going on and understanding the dangers and being cautious. All of these things are things that we have to do. Sometimes we have to work on the walls and we have to cut the trees and we have to, we have to do all of these things, but we need to do so cautiously and not foolishly. And that's true for anything we do in our life, that we need to, we need to make wiser decisions and slower decisions, that, we're not, that we're, not, we're not building folly upon folly 
in our own lives. And then he gives us some good practical advice here to close here in verse 10. Kind of shifting gears again. Uh, Verse 10. If the axe is dull and one does not sharpen its edge, then one must exert more strength. Now, this is good common sense advice. If anybody in here has ever tried to cut something with a dull blade, you know that it will work you to death. Now, recently, I was that fool that went to, went to Lowe's about a year ago and bought me a chainsaw, a 10-inch chainsaw. Now, thankfully, I was pretty cautious. I didn't cut my foot off or anything. You can't do much with a 10-inch chainsaw, but you can cut your foot off with it. Nonetheless, I got that chainsaw, and I started cutting, and boy, that thing cut good. I was cutting down azalea bushes. I was working myself to death and just having a good time with that little 10-inch chainsaw. And after a while, guess what happened? It got to where it wasn't cutting so good. And why? Because the blade wasn't sharp. And so, boy, it used to cut easy through those first few little trees I cut. Pretty soon, I was having to work twice as hard to cut through those trees. So I went and bought a file, and I sharpened the chain, and guess what happened? I cut through the trees a little more. Now, that chain got dull pretty quick. I was cutting old azalea bushes down by the ground in the dirt, and every few trees I'd have to stop, and I'd have to sharpen that chain. Now, that was an aggravation, right? Just about the time you get to working good, you got to stop and you got to sharpen your chain. But if I hadn't stopped and sharpened it and just kept working, I would have worked twice, three times, four times as hard and cut less trees. It's better to stop sometimes and sharpen your chain or to sharpen your axe. You may think that it's slowing you down, but it actually, A, gives you a break when you stop to sharpen it, and B, when you start back working, your axe is going to chop a lot better than it did. And he gives us that very practical advice right here. If an axe is dull and one does not sharpen its edge, then one must exhort more strength. That's foolishness. There's foolishness in our life, maybe spiritually, because we're not sharpening our spiritual life. The edge on our spiritual life is dull. Our relationship with God is dull. Our time in God's Word is dull. Because sin is what dulls our spiritual life. And so we're trying to cut through all the things of this world, which are tough, all the struggles and the stresses and the worries and the pains and the heartaches of this world, and it gets harder and harder and harder the duller our spiritual life gets. And so it's important for us to read God's Word, to come together as we do tonight or any other time we get together or any ministry you do where we're working to serve the Lord. Those are ways in which our spiritual lives are sharpened. And so that is wisdom. Foolishness is just to continue to live a life of sin and to continue to make yourself dull and to continue to try to chop through the things of this world. You are exerting way more strength and you're not making any progress. That right there is the definition of foolishness. And so he uses this practical example to say, hey, if you want to be wise, you need to sharpen your axe because a sharp axe is going to be far more effective than a dull one. Even if you have to stop and sharpen it, at the end of the day, you're going to, have, you're going to be accomplished uh, more because your axe is going to be sharper. And so he makes that connection with wisdom here at the end of the verse. However, the advantage of wisdom is that it brings success. Now that should be what we strive for in our life is success. Success for God, to live a successful life for the kingdom of God, to do the work of God. And so 
in these first 10 verses here of Ecclesiastes chapter 10, he's making a case against folly. He's making a case against foolishness. He acknowledges, hey, sometimes you see foolishness in the world. But ultimately here in verse 10, he recognizes the benefit of wisdom. It is wisdom that keeps us sharp. It is wisdom that prepares us for the things that are ahead of us. And what does the Bible say wisdom is? 1 Corinthians, Paul says, wisdom is Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. Every time we go to the cross, we are sharpening our sword. That, or excuse me, our axe. That is where we go to sharpen our axe, is at the cross of Jesus Christ. That is where we gain wisdom. You're living in foolishness. You're struggling with a foolish decision. You're not sure what to do, what choice to make. Well, here's how we figure it out. We go to the cross. We go to the cross, and that helps us to figure out what we need to figure out. It helps us to be sharp so we can cut through that deception of the foolishness that we may be tempted by. And so when we see time and time again in the Proverbs, or we see here in Ecclesiastes, that the Bible calls us to wisdom and not foolishness, Praise the Lord that by the time we get to the New Testament, we see wisdom in its fullness, in its most beautiful sense, and wisdom is nailed to the cross, and then it is resurrected from the grave, and that wisdom is Jesus Christ. So let us be those tonight who don't seek to live a life of folly, but who seek to live in the wisdom of the Savior who died for us. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight, and I pray, dear Lord, that you would help us not to be so foolish in life, that we wouldn't just go gung-ho into things without being cautious and, and recognizing that there are certainly consequences to our foolishness, God. So I pray that you would help us to, to be on the right track. Forgive us of what foolishness we may be involved in or have been involved in. Help us to be able to discern, dear Lord, what is wise from what is foolish. God, I pray that we would not be those who are caught up in the folly of the world. God, that we would not be discouraged when we see things that are unfair. Dear Lord, sometimes it appears as though foolishness is winning, as foolishness has the upper hand over wisdom. But dear Lord, foolishness has never won and will never win because the wisdom of Jesus Christ crucified God has conquered foolishness. So let us, through him, be able to conquer the foolishness in our life. God, maybe there are some that come in here tonight and we have been trying to chop our way through life with a dull spiritual axe, dear Lord. Now, I pray that you would sharpen our spiritual lives, that we would be able to cut through the stresses and the struggles and the worries and the pains and the temptations of the world, dear Lord, that we would draw closer to you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.